0: All right, you're going to have to bear with me today. I'm not used to wearing glasses, but uh messed my eye up. I'm pretty sure it's going to be emergency surgery later today on the eye. I'm not sure I'll ever be able to see out of it again, And um, because typical man, it's just probably nothing, but I feel like I'm dying. So uh, we're the third week of a series we're calling Monsters, and we're talking about the monsters that we deal with in our everyday life. We're not talking about the monsters you see on the movies. We're not talking about the monsters you see on television. We're not talking about the monsters you see in the store right now because it's Halloween. We're talking about those real-life monsters that will literally come along and they will suck the life out of you if you let them. The different people in our lives who are simply difficult to be around. But the reality is, we have to be around them. I I've learned that no matter how hard you try, you can never get away from people. I'm in the people business. I pastor you lovely people. I put on festivals for a living, and I'm around people. And every time I'm around people, I am quickly reminded that I simply just don't like people. They drive me nuts they drive me crazy. I showed up at the festival yesterday at about 5.30 in the morning, and someone said, why do you get there about an hour and a half before the vendors start arriving? Because I know it is the only ounce of quiet that I will have all day. Because I know the minute the first vendor shows up, they're going to start asking the stupidest questions that I've ever heard. I know that even though they've done festivals with me for eight years, they're going to start driving me crazy and act like they don't know what's going on. And by the end of the day, I'm literally going to want to strangle every person I come in contact with. People will drain you. They will wear you out. And especially difficult people. And we're talking about those monsters throughout this series. We're talking about those that come along and they literally suck the life out of you today. We're going to hang out probably right around Matthew 16, and we're going to be talking about those monsters that are manipulators, the manipulative monsters, the controlling monsters in our life. This monster's close to me because I've always been in a role where you were supposed to act a certain way. And I've never been the one to act that way. And there's always been people in my life who have tried to control me and get me formed and shaped to fit their standard of what my life should be. Those monsters are dangerous. Because what I've learned about controlling monsters and what I've learned about manipulative monsters are, those are the ones that are closest to us. Because to manipulate somebody... To control somebody, you have to be close to that person. That they're the type of people that that they know what makes us tick. They know how to set us off. And they love to come along and manipulate and prey on those areas of your life. Has anybody dealt with a manipulative monster in your life? Maybe it was a boss you worked with. Maybe it was a family member you grew up with. Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe you married that monster. Don't say amen to that if you did. Keep it inside. I mean, deep in your soul be amanning. But don't let it come out verbally. Because you'll be paying for that. You know, the funny thing is, is the Bible is full of manipulative monsters. In Genesis chapter 21 we see an example as a guy named Jacob is manipulating Esau. If you don't know the story, the story is of two brothers. And Esau has been out in the country, and he's been out working and working the fields, and he's been gone a long time, and he comes in back into the home base, if you will, back to the land. And he's been out so long that he's starving so much that the Bible says he was literally near death. And if he didn't get something to eat soon, the Bible says he was going to die. He was famished. And he pulls up, and while he's doing that, Jacob, his brother, just so happens to be cooking at that time. And the Bible says he's cooking this big pot of stew, and Jacob saw Esau in serious need. He saw his brother in serious need. He's cooking, his brother's hungry But instead of offering his brother something to eat as Esau asked for a bite to eat, Jacob said, I'll give you something to eat. But first, first, give me your birthright. You say, what does that mean? He was the oldest. Esau was the oldest. Give me your birthright. That way, everything that is promised to you as the firstborn will now be mine. And he said, I'll give you some stew. Jacob saw Esau in need. He manipulated him and he took advantage of him and he abused him because, make no mistake about it, manipulation is abuse. Let me say that again. I said, Manipulation is abuse. It doesn't matter how comfortable you become to manipulation, it's abuse. In Mark chapter 6, we see a story about two women who manipulated King Herod. You may not be familiar with the story, but apparently, Herod was throwing a party, it was a big party. And all these people were there, and this, this woman's daughter comes in and she performs a dance for the king. And the king is so blown away with the dance because let me tell you something dancing women will get men in trouble every time. Boy, it don't matter. Even back in biblical times, man, a dancing woman, I saw it yesterday at my festival. I, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm up at the top of the crowd. These ladies go down to start dancing. The guy next to me cocks his head to check out the woman that is dancing. And as quick as he cocked his head, I saw that woman's hand go bam! Right across his chest. His wife did not appreciate him watching the dancing woman. But she dances so great, Herod says, Oh my God, I want to reward you whatever you want. Well, the woman's mother hated a guy named John the Baptist, because John the Baptist called her out about her sin over and over and over. And so the daughter goes to her and says, what should I ask for? And the mother says, tell him you want John the Baptist's head on a platter. She returns to Herod and tells him what she wants. And now Herod is struck because he's made this public. I'll give her whatever she wants. She's asked for John the Baptist. Herod knows John the Baptist has done nothing wrong but he has to be a man as of his and the mother manipulated Herod into killing John the Baptist. And the Old Testament is my favorite example of manipulation. I don't know that I think this story is funny, because obviously it's a horrible story and people were affected by it, but it's a funny story. Samson was a guy. Who knows Samson? Everybody knows Samson? Samson was the strongest guy who ever lived. He had long hair. The Bible said as long as he didn't cut his hair, he wouldn't lose his strength. And this chick comes along, her name's Delilah. And she asked him over and over and over, what's the secret to your strength? And Samson wouldn't tell her. Check out what the Bible says. It's just funny to me. Judges 16, 15. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Manipulation. This is the third time you have made a fool of me. She'd been to him other times and said, What's the secret to your, your strength? And he gave her a false answer. You say you love me, and you won't even tell me why you're so strong. That's how I picture her voice. You haven't even told me the secret of your great strength. And, men, don't put that next verse up yet. Zander. Man, I need you to be careful here. Three times she goes to Samson. Three times, if you loved me, you would tell me. And look what it says, that Samson says in verse 16. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick of it. Golly. Sick to death of it. Guys, for one time, I'm going to let you say amen. Listen. Say... Man, you could do better than that. Say, man, we, listen, I'm not saying we live there, but we have all been there. She nagged him so much that he was sick to death of it. He made a covenant with God to never cut his hair. He's the strongest man on earth, and by God, this woman beat him down so much nagging. We preaching today, baby. (laughs) Holy smokes. He said, I can't take it.
1: Shut up. (laughs) It's my hair. (laughs) Stop talking. (laughs) Holy smokes. Just shut up. (laughs) Samson, Samson is in the
0: hall of faith. He's one of the greatest men ever living the Bible. And he couldn't deal with a nagging woman. And she manipulating him. I get me, she got the boobies all hanging out. She's like, if you loved me, you would tell me. That's how Christine got me. I'm going to tell y'all a story right now. Pull up a chair. Me and Christine, she slides into my DMs back in the day, 10 years ago. And we're talking, appropriately talking, because she was planning, because the story always goes back to this. Rick was in jail. <laughs> <laughs> and Rick put on a big motorcycle ride every year for the church. And, did I mention Rick was in jail? <laughs> so Christine was going to take over the ride, and we're talking, bam, 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 bam. And while we're talking, she says, you know, you know you manipulated me. She said, hey, I'm going into Target right now. Some guy just made a comment about my legs. If I get kidnapped, just know that's where I was. She was being funny. No, she wasn't. She was throwing that hook.
1: And I'm a man. And I bet. I said, Noted. If I ever decide to ask you out, I won't
0: make a comment about your legs. And she comes back and says, you wouldn't have to ask. And that's all it took. Manipulation 10 years later. Got a ring on it. Married. Got 742 kids. 932 dogs. Debt. Manipulation, man. Golly.
1: Knowing she knew what she was doing. No, that blue, she knew. And we're weak. We're dumb. <laughs> ah,
0: <laughs> women got all the power. Don't think for a minute women ain't got the power. Manipulation. You want this, you'll do that. Yeah, yeah, ma'am, what do I need to do? (laughs) God, I love the Bible. All joking aside, how many of you would say, man,
1: you've dealt with a manipulative person? Someone who's come along and they thought they could control you.
0: Instead of having mutual respect for you and trying to get you to do whatever it is they want you to do, they go behind the scenes and they connive. And they just manipulate you. We all have these monsters in our lives. So the key key becomes how do we deal with these monsters? Because here's the reality of the situation you can't avoid these monsters,
1: you can't kill them unless you want to go to jail with Rick. I was not designed for jail. That's what I do right when I get in jail, just grab
0: one of someone's pocket. Don't kill me. I'm designed for a lot of things. I think like I'm a leader. I'm I am not designed for jail. I would not survive long, okay? Like, I feel like I'm grade A meat for like a gay prisoner. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. I got all my teeth. I smell somewhat decent. You know, beards, I keep it trimmed. Like, I just not cut out for jail, So that's not a good option for me to kill the manipulators. So the key becomes is how do we deal with them? Well, before you can deal with them, you've got to learn how they operate, and they use two weapons.
1: Two weapons. Manipulators love to use threats. They love to threaten you. They, They love to either directly threat you or imply a threat.
0: At work, it might be something like this, if, if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, then um, you're not going to be able to work here anymore. Now, I know you got a family and you got kids. And I know your kid had a ball game tonight, but man, we're, we're, we're super busy and I need you to work over. And if you can't stay over,
1: I, I'm going to have to find someone else who can do your job. So that's just being a boss. No, that's manipulating.
0: That's the problem. We're so used to it, we don't recognize it. In our relationship, well, if you don't do this, then, then I'm leaving.
1: I'm not going to stay with you. If you don't tell me what it is, I'm hanging up the phone right now. If you don't pay more attention to me, if you don't pay more attention to me, uh-uh, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. like I said in marriage well if you don't do this then don't ask for that I know you don't know you ladies would do that but I hear rumors that that happens in the real world
0: and I don't know what that is it can mean anything so if your mind went to something perverted that's between you and the Lord
1: I could have been talking about dinner threats can be real manipulators love to threaten you know something else about manipulators? They love to use guilt. Because if they can't threaten you, they'll guilt you. Delilah does, if you really loved me, you'd do what I'm asking you to do. I, I thought we were close. I thought we were close, but obviously, hey, it's cool, man. I, I guess we're not as close as I thought we were.
0: I mean, if you're not going to meet my needs, I'm I, I'm just going to have to go somewhere else and get my needs
1: met. Guilt, guilting people. After all I've done for you, and you can't do this one thing for me,
0: parents are the worst I gave birth to you. and we say it funny? You know how many hours I was in
1: labor? And I can't even get you to return my phone call. Guilt. Heaven forbid we look
0: at the other side and see what's going on. We're we're going to guilt them. We're going to make them feel bad
1: because they don't do what we want them to do. Can I tell you who's the worst at this? You ready? pastors. if you really love Jesus, You'd serve.
0: That's fine. Don't worry about giving. Christ only gave
1: his son. Man, preachers are some manipulators. Boy. Guilting people into religion. Or right, my favorites, they'll do the silent treatment. I might be guilty of this. I'm not talking right now. Just don't talk to me right now, Making, punishing them because they didn't do what we wanted them to do. You've got to know how the
0: monster's going to attack. The monster's not very smart, the controlling monster. They only have
1: two weapons, threats and guilt. Now, many of us in our everyday life,
0: we have people, and don't miss this, that intentionally, or unintentionally
1: sometimes try to relate to us by controlling us.
0: It's not even that they're always horrible people. It's just sometimes they think they know best.
1: They think they know what's best for your life. And they're just trying to help you. The question we have to answer is how do we deal with With these monsters.
0: Because I am telling you today, this monster will destroy you in ways you never imagined. God created you. God designed you. God has a plan for your life. He told Jeremiah, he said, before the foundation of the earth, when you were in your mother's wombs, I knew you and I set you apart for a purpose to be the prophet of the nations. I want you to hear me today. God has a purpose for your life. And what an insult to God when you allow someone else to come along and form them into what they want you to be instead of what God designed you to be. The church, again, is the king of this. Everybody ought to look the same and act the same and talk the same and know the secret handshake and do this and do this and do this and, do this and don't do this and don't. And you can't be a Christian and do that. And you can't be a Christian and do that. Do this and this and this and this and this. All be good little cookie cutters, because that's the Bible I see, that God made us all to be cookie cutters. Even though he said we are fearfully and wonderfully made, there's no one else like us. But we try to mold everyone into good little soldiers through manipulation.
1: So how do we deal with manipulators? The Bible lays it right out for us. In
0: Matthew 16, the Bible shows Peter trying to manipulate Jesus and he lays it out. The first thing we got to do is, this is so important, you got to recognize manipulation. Seems very elementary, doesn't it? We need to recognize manipulation. You need to recognize when someone is controlling you or trying to control you. Now, at first glance, I get it. You're like, well, that's common knowledge, is it? It sounds simple. It sounds so simple like when you're struggling with addiction, you say the first step is admitting you have a problem. Well, no jokes. You're like, but is it? Because we fool ourselves. We get comfortable in our discomfort. We look on the outside and we see someone in a relationship. And we're like, how do they not see that? They've been conditioned. You know the old saying, the quickest way to boil a frog is one degree at a time? If you throw the frog in the boiling water, it's going to jump out of the water. But you adapt and you get him used to the cold water. Then you get him used to the level 2 water and the level 3 water and as it gets hotter and hotter and hotter, he doesn't even realize he's in the boiling water why? Because he's become comfortable in the pot of water. Abusive manipulators will get you comfortable and then they'll tend to make you think you're the crazy one. Mm. We're preaching today. Here it sounds so obvious, but it's not obvious. It's not obvious to the person who has grown up thinking this pattern of behavior is normal. So many people grew up with their parents manipulating them. So many parents are vicariously living through their children because their lives are pathetic. Because their lives are a disappointment. Because their life is one off kilter, so they think, man, I can't do anything about my life, but I can manipulate this person's life. I even see it in my own life. The areas I get frustrated with my kids in are the areas that I carry the most baggage in. And I don't want to see them make the same mistakes I made. That's manipulation. They need to make those mistakes. It's okay for them to fail. My son screwed up a couple of weeks ago in football, and the coach pulled him. And that's hot. I was mad, and I was angry. And I caught myself beginning to make excuses. At the end of the day, you know what? He needed to be pulled. He messed up. I don't like how the coaches went about it. And I think it's horse crap that they don't pull the other kids when they mess up. And if your coach is watching, I'll say it to your face Monday at practice when we talk. And I got
1: some opinions on it. But at the end of the day, he needed to be pulled and messed up. But that's baggage in my
0: life from my past, so I automatically get frustrated. See, we, we tend to get, our baggage spills over to our kids. In that case, my baggage spilled over to my whole house because I come home and I'm in not nice mode. So many people are used to their role as a doormat. They're simply used to being controlled. They don't even
1: know that it's not normal. I already said this, but really, they become comfortable in their discomfort. They know how to function in dysfunction.
0: But you were not designed to just function.
1: You were designed to thrive. You were designed to live life to the fullest, the Bible says. So many of you are just functioning There's a great example of this in Matthew 16, about verse 20. It says,
0: from that time on, Jesus began to explain things to his disciples. He's telling the disciples what has to happen. He's letting them know I have to give my life on the cross, that I will be accused of horrible things and they will crucify me. And this has to happen. Why? Because that was the whole reason he came to earth, to die for the sins of
1: the world. He came and lived a perfect life and paid a debt he didn't know, Because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. And he's
0: explaining this to the disciples. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Isn't it funny? It's always the religious who attack you. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised from life. Now look what it says, verse 22. Peter took him
1: aside. We're going to get to that in a minute and begin to rebuke him. Never, Lord, this shall
0: never happen to you. I want you to recognize something. Leave that verse up, Xander. A lot of us need to look at that, and say, "Man, Peter was loyal." Look at Peter defending Jesus. No, here's what's going on in this situation, and I know it's hard to see because we're so used to seeing wrong. Peter's manipulating Jesus here. Look what he does. The first thing he does, is he takes Jesus to the side. Why do, do this? I don't know why, maybe subconsciously or unconsciously, he, he did what many controllers do. If they can isolate a person,
1: we can deep today, baby. If they can isolate a person, they know they can have more power over that person.
0: Controlling people hardly ever try to control in a group because it's harder to exhort your power over them. But if I take them off to the side and I can get in their ear, (laughs) man. Now listen, there's people who are intentionally predators. They're looking for the weak ones, the vulnerable ones. They're trying to manipulate and control. But I think the large majority of us are not dealing with those type of manipulators, even though they exist.
1: We're dealing with people who genuinely love us, Genuinely, in
0: their mind, think they know what's best for us. And they've simply learned instead of coming along and doing life with us and walking with us as we figure it out, they're going to come along and, again, maybe even unknowingly manipulate us. It's an unhealthy way, because they're unhealthy, of trying to relate. They're not trying to hurt us. But they simply know what they know, and that's what I think Peter was doing here. Don't miss this. Peter loved
1: Jesus. He had devoted his life to following Jesus.
0: But he did not want Jesus to come and do what he came to earth to do, which was to die. Why? Because in the fleshly it affected Peter.
1: Peter was not ready to lose Jesus. It wasn't that Peter was a bad guy, but he wanted to
0: continue to do life with Jesus. He wanted to continue to spread the message with Jesus. He wanted to continue the adventure with Jesus. Jesus dies, what Peter's purpose, he feels, has gone away. So he pulls Jesus off to the side, away from the rest of the disciples, and he begins unintentional manipulation. That
1: can't happen. What do you mean it can't happen? That's the reason he came to Earth. But I don't want it to happen. It's not about you, mm, manipulators. Let me. Life isn't about you. I hated having to learn that. Life's not about me. This thing is not about me. Shocker to me. Thought it was. Didn't matter what Peter wanted. God had a bigger plan for that. Man. So the question becomes, how do you know when someone's trying to manipulate you? If
0: the first key is to identify it, we need some markers. I know it's going to be a lot of notes. It's a good day for you to take out your phone and take pictures of the slides. How are the markers for knowing we're being manipulated? First thing might be this. You might be being manipulated when you find out that you can't say no to a certain person. No matter who it is. When they ask you to do something, you automatically feel obligated. You'd like to say no sometimes. But it's not reality. You'd like to say no sometimes because it's not the most
1: convenient thing for you or the best thing for you. But because it's this person, you can't do it. meantime, this is our parents. They raised me. They've been there for me. I'm, I'm not discrediting any of that.
0: But you don't owe them anything. You know what they did as a parent? Their job. It's my job to raise my children my job to train my children. You raise hogs, actually. You train children. Maybe some of you ought to quit raising children, actually, and start training them. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it.
1: That's another sermon for another day. That's my responsibility to my children. Do not miss this.
0: My children owe me nothing in return for that. I have a 21-year-old daughter who has nothing to do with me. Guess what? It doesn't change the fact that I have a responsibility to her. My job was to train her. Don't you wish you had a relationship? Of course I do. But I didn't do it to have a relationship. I did it because
1: that's what men do. It's what women do. We train up our children. You might be manipulated when you find you can't say no to a certain person. It
0: might not be the right thing for you at that time, but you still can't say no. It's almost as if you're under their control. Well, they called me and asked me, I, I got to do, I got to drop everything. Do you? Are you being manipulated and controlled by that person and you just haven't realized? So that's the first question. You might be manipulated when you find that you can't say no to a certain person. You might be being manipulated when you always feel guilty around a certain person. Could be in marriage and you're being controlled. Whenever you go out and do something fun, you feel guilty for going out and doing it. You feel like you're not a good spouse because you went out and had fun, and maybe they weren't there to have fun. Could be your parents got divorced, and you're hanging out with this parent, and you feel guilty
1: because you know the other parent thinks you ought to be hanging out with them. never understood that aspect of divorce. Who are you going to love more, me or them? Well, it's their birthday. It's not a matter of loving them more. I just happened to be there because it was their birthday, you idiot. If you like X, then you're disloyal to me. Why? You
0: have an issue with X. I don't. Interesting Christine learned that a long time ago. We used to always think, man, if we have an
1: issue with someone, all our friends ought to have it. Why? That's manipulation. <laughs> We're the one with the issue. Why bring
0: our baggage onto other people? Why are we trying to control who other people should or shouldn't like? You might be being manipulated when you always feel guilty around a certain person. Number three, you might be manipulated when you feel ultimately responsible. When someone's life's falling apart, and
1: you're like, man, I think it might be my fault. I could have done more. I could have done more. If I had been there, if I had answered that phone call, if I had dropped everything for the 79th time,
0: if I would have let them be an ask one more time, you say, Gary, what's an asshole? It's a person who asks your advice but never follows through with what you tell them to do. It's an asshole. If I'd have let him be an asshole one more time, maybe, maybe they wouldn't have went down that path.
1: Who do you think you are that you can control someone else's life and get them on the right path? Can't do that. You feel responsible for them. That's my wife. I'm. We are
0: responsible to each other in a lot of ways for a team. But at the end of the day, I'm not responsible for her actions. She's not responsible for mine. If I go off and do something stupid, it's not because she's
1: not doing something. It means I went off and did something stupid because of I'm stupid.
0: I did X because they weren't doing Y. No, you did X. Because you're selfish. Because if you thought doing X was going to fix Y, no wonder you ended up with Z. Not how it works. Number four, you might be manipulated when you feel you compromise your values to please others. You find yourself doing things you normally would not do simply to please others. So many teenagers, here's my values. Here's what I've decided to do in certain areas. And they meet some
1: other teenager. The other teenager says,
0: if you loved me, you would do the thing you said you wouldn't do.
1: They compromise their values. Being controlled. These are just some indications. We could go on with hundreds of them
0: but you have to get to the place you start recognizing whether or not you're being manipulated. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, nothing will keep you, living, keep you from
1: living the life you were created for like a manipulative monster. If you're around a manipulative monster,
0: you better learn how to deal with that monster because that monster will destroy you. It will make you a shell of the person God created you to be. First place is you've got to recognize it. Without recognizing that monster, I can't combat that monster. Without realizing it is happening, I can't do anything about it. So it might seem like an elementary point. The first thing is you've got to recognize the manipulator, but the reality is you're not doing it. We're not doing it in
1: so many cases. They're jealous because they love me. No, they're jealous because they're jealous because
0: they know the inadequacies in their life and they're now manifesting them on
1: you. Their jealousy is their issue, not yours. Those monsters are seeking you out.
0: So the first things we're going to recognize manipulation. Second of all, oh, this is going to be hard for some of you, we're going to respond to manipulation. I have personal values in my life. One of my values in my life that I live by is be mean about the vision. If I have a vision for my life, I'm mean about it. You're not going to derail me. I will run you over to fulfill what I feel like the vision for my life. But another value I have in my life is run to confrontation.
1: Now, let me give you a little insight into me. I hate confrontation. I can't stand it. I know it seems weird, and you probably think I thrive on it, but I don't. I
0: hate it. And because I hate it, I run to it. Because here's the deal. If I need to confront somebody, I'm getting it out of the way. I'm not going to live two weeks with the anxiety of knowing I have to
1: confront someone. Then to ultimately confront them. So let's just get it out of the way. Let's clear the air like grown adults. I'd rather have the knots and the sweat and the stress for 30 minutes while I'm getting to your
0: house instead of living in with for two weeks and not sleeping at night to where it finally blows up and it's worse than it would have
1: been. You better learn to respond to your manipulators. In the past,
0: you've been able to manipulate me. In the past, you've been able to control me. But I need you to understand something. I love you, you might be my husband. I love you, you might be my wife. I love you, you might be my child. I love you, you might be my parent. But from this point forward, you will no longer control me through your guilt. You will no longer control me through your threats. If that means your ass walks away, then I guess you'll walk away. But guess what? You'll come back. See, do you think they have the
1: power? They don't have the power. Where are they going to go? My husband might walk. He, where's he going? You think another woman wants him? Please. And if she does, and he ain't changed... That's the best vengeance you could ever give her. Man, I want to say something here. But man, I know I can't because I'm trying to grow when
0: it comes to my i Y. I'm just trying to grow and not say mean stuff anymore because Christine has taught me it's not the way. But I want to say something. I always say, man, the best, the best revenge... For these guys, they got to be with her.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean? They can have her. I know what it's like. Poor guy, pray for them. Every day. I'm only slightly joking. We've grown a lot past that. You got to respond to manipulator. It's not going to work for me anymore. She's done it to me. My baggage. My issues, cool, I got it. Enough's enough. I hate that you feel that way, and you're that uncomfortable. But that's your issue, not mine. I've done it to her. Enough's enough. It's what leads
0: to a healthy relationship. It's uncomfortable at the moment. But sometimes you've got to confront, it's no longer going to work for me. You've got to understand that in the past you could control me, but that's not going to happen anymore. I now understand the importance that I do what God wants me to do and not what people want me to do. Nothing stops manipulators in their tracks quicker
1: (laughs) than letting them know what they are. I see what you are. You're not going to put your insecurity on me anymore.
0: You're not going to put your jealousy on me anymore. You're not going to put your anger on me anymore. You're not going to put your sense of failure on me anymore. You're not going to manipulate me anymore. Go give me the silent treatment for the next three days. Guess what?
1: That's on you. Go get mad for the next 24 hours. That's on you. You're
0: not going to do it to me anymore. And guess what? When you call out their manipulation, and all that is is manipulation, they can still do it, but it's just not as powerful when they realize you know what they're doing. Look what it says about Peter. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord! I like the explanation. Never! This shall never happen to you. I don't know why I think he has that accent, because he probably didn't. But I only have like two accents. Look what he said. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have an...
1: I didn't even put that in my notes. You do not have the concerns of God,
0: but merely human concerns. Get behind me, Satan. Satan. God sent me here for a purpose called to seek and to save that which was lost. My goal was to come to earth, live a sinless, perfect life, and die on the cross for all humankind. You don't have the concerns of God on your mind right now. You simply have your own selfish concerns. And I love you, and I know you love me, but you're only coming to me because you want me to be here for you when I've got a bigger purpose and a bigger calling. He looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan that's how hardcore he took
1: responding to manipulators. It's not going to happen to me anymore, Satan. Call them, no, don't call them. He took it serious. They come to you and try and listen here.
0: I know you're my husband, but right now you're the devil. Get behind me. God's got a bigger calling on my life. And as much as I love you, and I'm devoted to you, you are no longer going to control my life. I, I Can you imagine
1: living in prison like that? We're not here to please man, we're here to please God. I love that woman.
0: And her as my wife, she's about as good as it gets when it comes to pleasing me or wanting me to be happy or wanting me to fulfill my calling. And I'm the same with her. But at the end of the day, I'm her husband in her life, not God in her life. She comes to me and says, God is leading me to go bam, 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 and I don't like it. And I might get along with God and say, God, I need you to make it clear to me.
1: I don't want to be the one to hinder her from doing what you called you to do, but God, I ain't liking it. But He must increase, and I must decrease. That's the Bible, in case you didn't know it. Let me tell you a story. My last church
0: started it here. It grew very fast. I had an executive pastor.
1: And the executive pastor's wife was also on my staff. I was very close with this executive pastor.
0: Every once in a while, I would take a Sunday off, and I would allow this executive pastor to teach. This executive pastor was a good man. I assume he still is a good man. I haven't talked to him in probably 14 years. have no idea where he's at. He's a good man. He couldn't preach his way out of a wet paper bag. He was a horrible teacher. He was like watching paint dry. But about three times a year, everyone loved him. Why? Because they loved him.
1: Gary needs a break. We love him. Cool. So he comes to me two weeks before Christmas. He said, I need to talk to you. I said, what do you need to talk about, man? I need to start teaching 50% of the time around here. I said, that ain't happening. I said, you're lucky you get to preach three times. He said, if you do
0: not allow me to teach 50% of the time, I will leave. And if I leave, that means my wife leaves. So he
1: tried to manipulate me with two staff positions. And I'm sure all kinds of people will go with us. I said, well, i tell you what I'm going to do. You
0: go find a building. Tell me where you want to go and start your church. I'm going to pay your first six months rent. Because you ain't staying around here. Well, I want to start the church again. I said, you can start it next door to where we meet. I'll pay the rent for six months. I said, but don't you ever come in my office again and try to blackmail me or manipulate me into changing the vision of this church to feed your selfish desires because you get a high from being on a stage. He didn't expect that. He looked like he saw a ghost when I said that. So then I looked at him and said, matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and make your decision for you. I don't care if you ever go start a church, but this is your last Sunday. You no longer work at this church. People are going to know. I said, no, they're not. I said, here's why they're not going to know. I said, because next week's Christmas Eve, and we're going to do seven services on Christmas Eve. That's how big the church was. I said, the next Sunday, we don't even have church because we cancel church the last week of the year every year. I said, it's going to be mid, the first Sunday back, they're not even going to notice you're gone. I said, by about mid-January, people are going to be like, hey, we're so-and-so-and-so-and-so. And I'm going to look at them and be like, man, what do you mean? They felt
1: God was moving them about a month and a half ago. You missed that? Oh, I guess it did. Here's the deal. That was a changing point in our church. Church was already growing. Over the next four months, we almost doubled in size. We baptized
0: more people than we had ever baptized. A church of over a thousand people. The guy who taught on our stage three times every year, and everybody knew him because he was really ran the church, not me. Imagine that, because you know I'm just going to be the face of the place.
1: One person ever asked me where they even went. Ever. It was a turning point in our church because we stood up to manipulation. There's a right way and a wrong way to come to somebody,
0: and do not come to me and. Threaten to leave because you can leave. You're worried about them leaving. I'm not.
1: Because I've learned over the years when they leave, God sends 10 more to replace them. See, that's cold hearted. I'm not trying to be cold hearted, I'm just giving you the reality.
0: You've got to confront and respond to manipulation. And when you stand up for the purpose God has in your life, God will always work it out. Because we think in the natural and God operates in the supernatural. It doesn't make sense. It's scary. I get it. I don't understand how it works. But it works. I remember when we and Christine first got together, the biggest giver in our church left the church. We've never been a big giving church. but This is about 50% of the giving at that time. The funny thing was they left our church and they threw it in their face. That church won't survive without our money. And
1: the strange thing is they left and the offerings never changed. Because God provided.
0: You think I was going to... See, you must have me mistaken for a prostitute. A prostitute does something for money.
1: Mm -mm. We'll shut it down before I dance for money. Being honest. When it doesn't impress me, and I sure ain't going to let you stay
0: around because you're trying to manipulate me with your money. Look
1: at this ghetto building. Do you think we, we operate with a lot of money?
0: I've been wanting to build walls where these curtains were for 10 years. We can't, so we just use
1: curtains. Someone said, the chairs are all breaking. I said, well, we've got folding chairs. I don't want to sit in folding chairs. We'll go to another church. If all these
0: chairs break, you're gonna sit in folding chairs. Or you can do like Chad and Lynn, bring a camper, camping chair.
1: I love the people who bring camping chairs to church. First chairs we ever had, you know where we got them from? Scott Farley got them from the pink pony. You
0: say, how'd Scott Farley get them from the pink pony? That's between God and God. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Lord, the Lord provides! Some of these lights up here still came from the Pink Pony. They were changing out their lights and gave us a bunch of lights.
0: That wasn't from Scott Farley. That was actually from Phil May's drummer. How would Phil May's drummer get? matched between him and the Lord. I don't know. But I sure am appreciative of them. I've seen some of them strippers off the stage. If they can look like that on stage and look like they do off stage, and they're great lights.
1: I was all for them. Let me make an extreme statement.
0: One of the big Ten Commandments is Thou shalt not have other idols before me. Meaning, you shouldn't put something
1: before God. Letting manipulator control your life was a form of adultery. Mm.
0: You're putting their opinion before God's purpose.
1: You've made them an idol in your life. We respond to manipulation.
0: Some of you've been dancing with dysfunction for so long; it's all you know. Someone controls, and eventually you cave in, and, here, and you justify it, it's not worth the fight.
1: No one said you had to fight. You just respond. Well, they'll want to fight. You know what I've learned about fighting? takes two. When Christine wants to fight, I stay calm. She's ranting and raving. I'm like, baby, am fighting? I love you. I'll tell you what doesn't work.
0: Remember the comedian who said, you want to end fighting? I can't remember who it was. One of the redneck guys. And he said, man, when your wife starts fighting, just get naked. You can't fight naked. That's a lie. It does
1: not work. It does not work. It does not work. Let honest with you. It does not work. You've made idols out of your manipulators. What's an idol, Gary? Oh, this is deep. It means a false god. You've made a false god out of your abuser. Mm. That's a stretch, Gary. No, it's not. An idol is anything you put
0: before God, and an idol is a false god. You've allowed a manipulator and a controller
1: to come before God. Man. You've got to respond to them. You've got to respond to them. What you've been doing isn't working. I'm just going to be
0: quiet and love them, and they'll stop. How's that working 15 years in,
1: 10 years in, 6 months in? We tell our daughter, and we'll tell our son, but Emily's at the dating age. We're the king of red flags. Not because we don't like the other person, But I'm like, there's already red flags. You think that's going to get better?
0: And I'm not talking about the little boy she's with now, because I'll beat the red flags out of him. But we just—it's not to get him to break up. We just want to identify things. Right? Think about that. That's not getting better. See, some of you looked at your manipulator and thought, if I can just marry him, we can change him. And then some of you even went, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I guess some of you even went home to another level. I know what to fix it, a
1: baby. How'd that work? The way you fixed it is if you'd responded to it. And it might be a
0: little more painful 10 years in, 5 years in, 20 years in. But you still need to respond to it. Because here's the deal. What you've been doing ain't working. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you keep getting what you've been getting. So if you think they're just going to change, why would they change when they can manipulate you and you do everything you want they want you to do? Why would you change? That's heaven.
1: That's heaven for a narcissist. I can guilt you to get whatever. Game on. Man. When you confront them, you're going to step on their toes. It happens. When you you confront them, it's going to be uncomfortable.
0: When you confront them, get ready, they're going to turn it all back
1: on you. Stand your ground. I'd rather fight for a week than deal with it the rest of my life. But maybe you're, but I
0: do it for the kids. So now you're teaching your kids how to be controlled by someone else.
1: You're teaching your kids how a boss ought to treat you. I'm not trying to be hard on you. I'm saying this is just a change in your life. This isn't going to work for me anymore. You ever told me that? I hated it. Have I ever told you that?
0: This isn't going to work for me anymore. You wearing clothes at the house is just not going to work anymore. Okay. (laughs)
1: Lines in the sand. Now let me make this clear. When you say that, you better be prepared to defend it. You better be ready for sparks to fly. Let me
0: go ahead and tell you this. Things will get worse before they get better. Remember we ever went through periods where things got worse? All your fault, too. But I stuck it out with her. Because God had a plan for my life, and I go, God had a plan for her life. And if she would just get her heart right with Jesus we'd have the marriage we
1: have today. I love one-way conversations. It's so great to be the one on the stage. I want what God wants
0: from my life. And even as much as I love you, you don't get to distract me from that. She is, all joking aside, she has told me that. I love you. I'd give my life for you. But you're not going to distract me from the growth God's doing in my life. I, mm. That's hard to hear. I didn't get angry because I love her. I was hurt to realize I was that person. I tried to make the changes. I don't always make the changes right. Last of all, we must redefine the relationship with the manipulator. This is the key because after you respond to them, the relationship will not be the same. I did not say it will be worse. It might. It will probably.
1: It will be better for you, but it will be different. You have to redefine it. you have to redefine the role.
0: The problem is you're used to the old dance and they're used to the old dance. The person who controls you you're used to making they're used to making you move. when you have to redefine the relationship after you confront them, guess what Jesus did the exact same thing with Peter. When Peter tried to control Jesus, he said, Get behind me, Satan. You will not control me. God's plan is more important than your
1: plan. Then, Jesus allowed Peter to face the consequences.
0: Don't miss this. But this is a story on down the road. He allowed the, Peter to face the consequences of his selfishness.
1: Because later on, Jesus told Peter, he "Said you'll deny me three times." Peter said, "No, I won't." Just like, "No, you won't." Jesus up there with Pilate; they're ready to find him guilty.
0: Out in the crowd, they say, "There's Peter, aren't you, Peter?" Three times he denies it. Does exactly what Jesus. Peter's pride kept.
1: Peter's selfishness led to all of his issues. Huh. After Jesus gave his life on the cross, so he rose from the dead. And he came along to Peter, and he
0: reinstated the relationship with Peter. But it was redefined. Again, Jesus said, Summon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, you know that I love you. He said, take care of my sheep. He redefined the relationship. You'll notice that he's refined it here. At first, Peter wanted to be in control. <laughs> At first, Peter wanted to be in control of Jesus' destiny. But Jesus said, you're not going to do that. If you want to follow me, I call the shots.
1: In the end, he's looking at Peter saying, Here's what you're going to do with your life you're going to go feed my sheep. He redefined the roles.
0: Sometimes you've got to redefine the roles with your abuser. I love you. We are a team. But you don't call the shots in my life. You don't get to dictate what I do anymore. The relationship has now changed. I'm now leading the dance in my own life. I'm dancing to my own tune, and I hope you want to be part of it. saw a marriage couple of the other day. It was on TikTok. They were at a church, I guess. And there was a couple, and they were sitting there on stage, and the pastor he said, what's the key to your relationship? He said, how are you still in love with this woman after 22 years? He said, I'm, he said that's not the same woman I married 22 years ago. He said, I'm not still in love with the woman I married 22 years ago. That woman's dead. He said, she's not in love with the man she fell in love with 22 years ago. It's been 22 years. We've changed. She said, but we kept dating. And every week we made it a priority and we communicated. And so as she changed, I learned her. And as he changed, she learned me. And we were always studying each other and always growing and always learning. And he said, so I'm not in love with the same woman that I married 22 years ago. I'm in love with the woman I'm married to today. Some of you aren't continuing on in your role of being who God made you to be. And when you're being who God made you to be, and your partner's being who God made them to be, or your boss is being who God made them to be, you'll be growing and evolving together. God is not a God of chaos. We don't have intersecting paths. We have parallel paths. And we will be on that parallel journey
1: together. But you fight it, and all the wires get crossed. Man. Jesus redefined the relationship. When I was in high school... I was pretty mean.
0: The chip on my shoulder. Always the kid who was never supposed to be successful. I've shared with you, I was 137 out of 144 in my graduating class. I was voted most likely to either be a millionaire or end up in prison. That's what they thought of me. When I graduated at my graduation ceremony, they were so worried about me creating havoc, they took me out of the alphabetical order. And I had to walk out with the principal and sit out of order next to the principal because I thought I was going to do something during the graduation ceremony. I had a chip on my shoulder, and the best thing I ever did was I started playing football. Here's
1: the deal. I'm not a very athletic person. I'm just not. But I was a mean person. And I had no problem hitting people. And I had no problem being hit. I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't always the strongest, but I was the meanest.
0: I was always the meanest. I was the guy on the basketball team. I couldn't shoot a basketball or dribble a basketball or pass a basketball to save my life. I had one goal. I didn't have any goals. This was the coach's goal for me. On the basketball team, they would send me into the game. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even lying here. I'm not even trying to tell you a preacher story. They would send me into the game, and my job was to pick a fight with the other team's best player, so we both got thrown out of the game. It didn't hurt my team that I got thrown out, but it hurt that team that they got thrown out. Then I couldn't play the next game because you got thrown out of the game, you're suspended the next game. Next
1: game, i do it again. So I only played half the games, about 45 seconds every game. But my coaches came to me one year. As we were in the playoffs, we were in the semifinals, the teams got better.
0: And I got dominated by a player who was better than me. It didn't matter how mean I was. He was better than me. And my coaches came to me during the off-season, and he said, if I ever want to learn to be all I could be, he said, you're just not very athletic, but you're mean. He said, but you've got to learn some proper technique. He said, you've got to learn how to get in a stance right. And he goes, you've got to learn how to push through with your arm, and you've got to learn to do this, and you've got to learn to swim. Tech. And he told me all, and he, and he made me study over and over and over. And then I robbed a beer truck. Roll into my senior year. So, to stay on the football team, I had to get to practice every morning at 4 30 in the morning to stay on the team. So, I was in the best shape of anybody. Because I ran two hours before school every day and practiced these techniques all the time. My coach would always say something. He said, You're going to get in the game and you're going to do these techniques. He goes, But you're going to go get someone good. And he goes, you He said, Your first
1: inclination is going to be to abandon your technique and go back to the old you where you're just relying on meanness. He said, but if you go back to the old you, you're going to hurt
0: the team because they're going to dominate you because you don't have the proper technique. He said, if we can get your meanness in line with the technique, you will do this. And he would scream all the time on the sideline at me,
1: don't go back to the old you. Listen. Don't go back to the old you. When you redefine the relationship,
0: it's going to be complicated at times. As you redefine the relationship with the monster in your life, you're going to be tempted to go back to what you deemed was peace. It wasn't
1: peace. It was dysfunction that you just became comfortable in. You've got to stand your ground and let them know
0: they're not going to control you anymore. You're not going to be driven by what they think. You're going to be driven by what God thinks. And there will be a situation where things might get worse before
1: they get better. But they'll get better. You deal with the temporary pain for the long-term gain
0: of living for an audience of one. Galatians 1.10 and I'm done. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings
1: or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people,
0: I would not be a servant of Christ. I'm going to educate you on something real quick.
1: You cannot please God and please people. I went too long. Those of you that are manipulators...
0: I'm not even saying you're a manipulator because you're a bad person. You think you're doing what's best.
1: I just want to remind you of this. You're not God, and it's not all about you. And you will destroy
0: every relationship in your life. Even if that person never stands up to you, you'll destroy that relationship because you're in a relationship with someone who's less than they could be. Way too long today. Manipulative vampires, manipulative monsters, manipulative Frankensteins, manipulative zombies. They're controlling you and you're letting them and you're missing out on this one shot called life. Let's pray.